0: You see, if there was ever a time to come or a a time to come to church, that time is now. (laughs) And if there was ever a day for you to look to God, that day is today. I don't know how you come in today, but today is the day to look to God. And as you look around you and the world around us, now is the time to be here at church. There's so many acts of hatred, of anger, of of resentment, of of pride taking place around our world right now. Division that is palpable. Division that you can feel it from wherever you are. But that's exactly why we need to focus on the act of God's love today. More than ever, the church today should be moved to the cross to know and understand what love is. You see, in times of crisis, I want you to know this church, and in times of change it can become very easy to be living on empty. It can become very easy for us to be living with fear or living with panic, living now afraid now, with anxiety, without peace, frustrated, maybe even feeling alone in times like these. But it's important here because in today's story, in John chapter 4, we're going to look at a Samaritan woman that meets her Messiah as she is in need of water, <laughs> And she's in need of water. Now, how many of us know that you can go a few days without maybe eating food, but you can't go too long without drinking water. Water is vital for your health, is what vital for your now just life. It is needed now. In fact, if you don't drink water, you soon become dehydrated and fatigued and weak in your physical body. There are many times that I walk around the house with a migraine or a headache, and my wife tells me it's because you don't drink enough water. (laughs) But listen to this, not only was this necessary in the life of this woman, this physical water that she went looking for, but more than that, she needed a physical, a spiritual water. What she really needed was spiritual water. And this encounter that we're about to talk to uh, right here and read reminds us that that life without Jesus is empty. That life without Jesus leaves us empty. And here he does a, a radical surgery of the heart now. And he confronts her past. Some of us here today, God needs to confront our past in the present to give us a new future. And today I pray that God does confront our past the hardness of our heart, maybe the pain that we need healing from. Because here in John chapter 4, we title today's message, Satisfaction for the Spiritually Thirsty. Have you ever been so thirsty that you need a drink? I need a drink and I'm thirsty. But finally, when you get that drink, you're finally your thirst is quenched. But I want to ask you today, what about your spiritual thirst? What about your spiritual thirst? Is that quenched? What about that inner thirst that was created there by God, that longing now that you have in your soul that only God can satisfy? You see here, Jesus is going to reveal Himself as He overturns the tables of religion to institute a relationship with Jesus. And He comes with a message to this woman that a life with Christ matters. A life with Christ matters. Now, if there's something that you get out of today's message, I want you to remember that. Regardless of how you came in today, regardless of your history in the past or your history with the church, I want you to know that a life with Christ matters. And if your life is without Christ, it is empty. Now, let's read here John chapter 4 verse 1. It says this, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, that he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied or tired from his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you right now, this morning, that we can go to you, Lord, to drink. We thank you, Lord, because you satisfy and the satisfaction that you give to us is a lasting satisfaction, Lord. It's permanent, Lord. and takes care of the human soul and spirit, God, that's so thirst for you, Lord, that only you can fail. Lord, as we need water for our physical bodies, we need living water for our spirit and our soul. And I pray, Lord, if anybody has come in this morning, without the living water, without the water for their soul, that you would speak to them now that they need it for eternal life. We pray this all in Jesus' name, and together we said, Amen. Amen. Now, here in John chapter 4, verse 1, it tells us this, that Jesus was on a mission. And notice this, that it sets up now a specific time and place, because Jesus had now been baptizing his growing influence is now becoming very well known. And people know that Jesus now not only is be baptizing more disciples than John, although his disciples are baptizing, but that the Pharisees also knew that Jesus was doing this. And Jesus knew that the Pharisees and the religious leaders were jealous of him and they wanted power and control. And we know that Jesus' ministry wasn't about religion. It was about life transformation. A lot of times people say, well, are you religious? No, it's not about religion. And here Jesus is going to speak about it. It's not about religion. In fact, these people were being baptized so that they can have a new life. It was a representation that their old life was dead and that their new life, it was living for Christ. And that was taking place, a life transformation. And now the religious leaders were jealous and it was going to create conflict now. Jesus knew this, so He moved from here now, where He was in Judea now, and He goes on His way to Galilee. As He goes on His way to Galilee, Jesus being a Jew, it tells us here in verse 3, that He departed again to Galilee. But notice this, in verse 4, it says He needed to go through Samaria. Now, if you have your Bible with us this morning, I want you to underline, He needed. Because this is something that Jesus needed to do he needed to go through Samaria to get to Galilee Samaria was a region that was now on its way from Judea in the middle of Judea and Galilee but he needed to go there not because of convenience but he needed to go to Samaria because people needed him there he needed to go to Samaria because he had compassion he needed to go to Samaria because he had a calling not because of convenience Now notice, Jesus was not going to avoid Samaria like the rest of the Jews. He never bypassed anyone's needs. He never went around them now. And history tells us that the Jews and the Samaritans hated one another. Now notice this, a little bit of history is that the Assyrian king, hundreds of years before that, took the northern Jerusalem captive now and took some of the Jews away to Babylon. Now, as he took some of the Jews away to Babylon, he also brought captives from other places and regions and left them there in the northern place of Jerusalem, also known as Samaria. And as he left them there, they had intermarriages now with the Jews now. So the Jews looked at these other Jews that were living there as impure Jews and they looked down upon them. They said they're not real Jews. In fact, they were very prejudiced against them. They hated them because they had intermarried with other people. They had a very hatred against them. They were angry. They also segregated from them. And every time they had to go from Judea all the way to Galilee, notice this, they would go around Samaria to avoid seeing the Samaritans. Now Jesus, what He's going to teach us here is that His love is without discrimination and His love is without borders. Now let's keep reading here in verse 5. So he went to a city called Samaria. Now notice, he goes to a city with a divine appointment, just like you've come in today to church, to have an encounter with Christ. And it says, He came to a city called Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of the ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now that place Sychar was a very ancient place. There's a lot of history at Sychar. It was interesting as I was studying this because Sikhar at one time was called Shechem. Sikhar was called Shechem. Now Shechem was the very same place here at Jacob's plot where Joshua in the Old Testament made a covenant for the nation of Israel. Now this is amazing because here Joshua in the Old Testament in Shechem, which is Shechem, renewed his commitment to God. This is where Joshua stood, in this very place where this well was at, where Joshua stood and said, as for me and my house, we will serve God. Now, isn't this awesome that today we've come to a well? And maybe you've come to a well for the very first time, or maybe you've been to that well before. Maybe you've met Jesus, but also you're coming to a place of renewed commitment with God. Where you make a decision today here at Shekar, at Shechem, here at this now well, and you get to say, me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Now, this is the setting. I think it's so important that we read this now. Because Jacob's well was there, and look what Jesus is doing now. In verse 6, it tells us that Jesus, being tired from his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. This is amazing. I love that John included this for us. He talks about Jesus' humanity, that yes, Jesus was 100% God, but also he was 100% human. So Jesus became tired. Now notice this, he sat by the well, he was at the well, he was resting at the well, but he was waiting at the well. He was waiting for who he went to meet, the Samaritan woman. Not only was he tired, but it says that he was still willing to minister to those that were going to come to him. Now, do you see Jesus' heart, his kindness, his compassion? That he's saying, I'm not going to bypass the needs. I'm not going to go around Samaria. I'm not going to skip Samaria because the Jews and the Samaritans don't like one another. There's something important here that's about to take place. And we really have to understand the heart and the nature of Jesus. That he reaches out and he loves this woman. And he meets her there where she's at. Now, I want you to know Jesus wants to meet you right there. Where you're at. He wants to meet you right now, today. And it tells us here as we continue reading that he came to this place, and in verse 7 it says, And a woman of Samaria, a Samaritan woman, came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Look at Jesus is about to break the ground, the soil of religion. Jesus is about to break the ground of her heart. Jesus is about to expose her need of him. And he went and he told her, Give me a drink now just imagine if you were living at this time and in this time the Jews and the Samaritans didn't talk to one another the teachers being now religious did not talk to those that were living in sin number 2 not only that but the it was uncommon for a man to go and ask for a woman to a woman that was not his wife culturally for something like the the need that Jesus was asking for so here Jesus is breaking Every rule. <laughs> now you have to appreciate that about Jesus because he's not about rules, he's about hearts. Now notice what's taking place here. He goes in verse 7, he says, Give me a drink, for the disciples had gone into the city to buy food. And the woman of Samaria, verse 9, said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Now notice, it was noon. What does this tell us about it being noon? The women who went to this well to draw water did not go at noon. They went early in the morning or they went later in the evening to escape now or to avoid the heat. You see, they would go with their uh, now jars of water and they would carry these jars, heavy jars of water. They would go very early to escape the heat or very late in the evening. But this woman was going at noon. In fact, she did not want to go with the other groups of women. She said, I'm going to go by myself. The groups of women go in the morning and then go in the evening. But she was going by herself. And as we continue to read this story, we know that she was going at a specific time to try to escape her shame and her public guilt that she was carrying in her own strength, striving to continue. You see, what was taking place here is that Jesus met this woman who was a social outcast. She was burdened with condemnation. She was burdened with sin. And he met her there to give her spiritual healing, to give her restoration and freedom from that which she was carrying. Notice how sometimes even in our own lives, when we think about our past, it almost, if we dwell on it, it makes us want to now isolate ourselves from the rest. And we try to carry this guilt and this shame, maybe even sin, and try to escape everyone. But Jesus here is about to cross the lines of culture. He's going to cross the lines of race. He's going to cross the lines of a class system now for the gospel's sake. And he is not going to be as the rest of the Jews that say, you know what, I'm a Jew and they're a Samaritan and that race separates us. No, His love is without discrimination. His love is without boundaries and His love reaches out. In fact, Jesus teaches us here that you ought to love someone if you want to reach out to them. This is so important because we must ask God today, if we are going to be His hands and feet, that first He deals with our heart. You cannot be the hands and the feet of Jesus or the mouth of Christ if He has not dealt with your heart first. You must have the heart of Christ so that you can have the hands of Christ. And Jesus here demonstrates that. He has that heart of the love of the Father. And you see here now that He now refuses... Now, to avoid people, and he's willing to do what others wouldn't. He's willing to reach out to somebody that maybe doesn't look like him, that maybe doesn't affiliate with the same culture and customs as the Jewish people do, but he wants to be that person that reaches out. Now, what tells us this, this woman is surprised that he's asking her for a drink. And sometimes God, I want you to know that sometimes God and Christ, He's going to ask you for something. Hey, I, I want your attention right now. Hey, I want this morning. I want today. Hey, I, I want that, that afternoon right now. I want you to give me this. And there are often times that we don't understand why God is asking us for something. And we don't understand the purpose. But His objective is that we would get to know Him better. Now, do you see that Jesus is asking this woman for a drink? With the purpose of ministering to her? And Jesus has brought you here today with the purpose of ministering to you. No matter where you are in life, He wants to minister to you. He wants to meet your need. Now it says in verse 10, And Jesus answered and said to her, Look at what He says. After she asked, Why is it that you're asking me for a drink? Who do you think you are? You're a Jewish man. I'm a Samaritan woman. There's no way. There's no reason. You have no business talking to me. But Jesus said, I don't care about that. (laughs) I don't care about the race, the culture, and the lines that were drawn by men. I care about the heart. He's going to deal with the issue of the heart because that is the heart of the issue. Notice here in verse 10. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who says, give me a drink, you would have asked Him, and who would have given you living water? He says, you know what? Jesus tells this woman, If you knew who it was that was now the gift of God, And if you knew who it was that was asking you for this drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Now, you know what Jesus is telling her? If you knew the gift of God, I want to ask you today, do you know the gift of God? What is the gift of God? If you knew that God's gift for you is forgiveness, if you knew that God's gift for you is eternal life... If you knew that God's gift for you is delivering you from sin and from shame and from guilt and from the bondage of an old life that just has you stuck in your heart of anger, of resentment and of bitterness. If you knew that God's gift is to rid all of that and to give you now a new heart and eternal life and forgiveness. And if you knew it was the Messiah that's talking to you, you would ask Him for a drink and He would give you living water. Now, when was the last time you went to Jesus for a drink have you gone to Jesus for a drink in your life have you said Lord I'm coming to you because I know what you can do for me now in fact Jesus is saying do you realize what I can do for you do you realize what Jesus can do for you today have you came to the realization that that what you need in your life can only come from one place Do you realize it could only come from the place where Jesus gives you a drink of living water? And he said living water because he meant a spiritual water that quenches a spiritual thirst and gives life, and that's eternal life. Do you see here that the spiritual water that he's referring to is the one that every human heart and soul and spirit needs? Now, there are a lot of times that we feel that thirst, that quench, that we need. And we say, Lord, I, I, I need you to fill this. We either can say, Lord, I need you to fill this, this quench or this thirstiness in my life. Or we are going to, in our own strength, try to satisfy that desire and that thirst on our own. Now, notice what she tells him in verse 11. Because he says, the woman said to her, Sir, you have nothing to draw with the well is deep. When, where then do you get living water? He says, sir, you, you have nowhere to draw from this water. How is you going to give me this water that you're talking about? And this well is very deep now. How are you going to get the living water now? In fact, she goes on in verse 12 and says, Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from himself as well as his sons and his livestock? And, and besides that, you think that you can give me anything better than this who our fathers and our ancestors gave us? those that we now look up to and that we respect, do you think that you can offer me something better than this? The answer is yes. And I want you to realize this. God can offer you something better than what you think is quenching that desire in your soul and in your spirit. Do you think that you can offer me something better than this? The answer is yes. Jesus is about to tell her that. Because the effects of the living water that He's going to talk about Here goes on in verse 13. And Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. (laughs) You see, there's a difference between the water that you get at this well and the water that you get from me, Jesus is about to say. There's a big difference. Now, in fact, he goes on and he says this, Whoever drinks of this water now is going to be thirsty again because this is a temporal source to satisfy you only for a moment. And I want you to know that in our lives, we are going to go through things or we are going to now receive from a substance that go- is going to satisfy us only momentarily. But then again, we will be thirsty. For example, he uses this physical thirst as an explanation. But verse 14, it says, But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into ever." lasting life now jesus is saying you know what this is temporary water it's not going to satisfy you it's going to satisfy you for a moment but the water that i give you is going to spring up you're not going to have to dig deep it's going to spring up like a fountain within them and it's going to give that person that drinks everlasting life now isn't this an amazing promise right there that jesus is using thirst as a picture Of the spiritual need and longing now that everyone has now no matter who you are right here what background you have you have how old you are everyone has this spiritual thirst now how we deal with this spiritual thirst is sometimes different and Jesus here is offering this woman or anyone who would drink something that gives lasting satisfaction Notice, it is a satisfaction. But the key is to drink of the water that Jesus gives. There are often times that we want to go drink out of something else to satisfy only what Christ can satisfy. You know, it's very common for us to try to satisfy that God created inner thirst. God created an inner thirst in your heart. God created an inner thirst in your soul and in your spirit. And and there are many times... That we will go to everything or anything except what Jesus gives when we are thirsty. And we long, we reach out, we search. But only what Jesus gives can satisfy the deepest levels of the human soul and spirit. Only what Jesus gives. And it's very important here because you cannot substitute. And I want you to remember this, church, please. You cannot substitute and you cannot supplement Jesus in your life with something else. There are times that you will try, well, I don't have Jesus, but I have this other thing on the side that makes me happy. Therefore, I don't need Jesus. Jesus is for, you know, my family. Jesus is for my coworkers. Jesus is for my parents now. I don't need Jesus. Jesus is good for them, but I I have something that works for me. I'm going to tell you, whatever you think that works for you is only for a moment. It's going to get old. It's going to leave you empty, and you're going to end up thirsty again, because it doesn't provide lasting satisfaction. You see, you can't supplement, you can't substitute Jesus for something else and expect a lasting satisfaction. What you're thirsty for, only Jesus can quench. Now, many times people can say, well, I drank of Jesus. I tried Jesus already. I went to the church and the church let me down. Oh, the church is filled with people that are sinners. (laughs) Well, yes, it is. Just like yourself as well, right? And sometimes people think, well, I already drank what Jesus offered and I feel thirsty and empty again. The answer is simple to that. Drink again of Jesus. Because one sip of Jesus is not enough for an everlasting now uh, satisfaction that He gives you. A satisfaction that we need is a continual connection with Christ. That you're saying, Lord, I wanna go to that fountain and I wanna be satisfied there. And there I know I'm going to have everlasting life. Now notice what's gonna happen here because he's talking about this fountain. Notice the fountain that he's speaking about of living water is different than a well. It's different than a well. You notice how when you go to a well, you have to work really hard. You have to put in the jar and then you have to pull it up. And here these women are working really hard to get that water out. To be satisfied. But the fountain, you don't have to do that. Because the fountain is where Jesus is coming and he's giving you to drink. And you don't have to do the labor, the, the striving now. And the result of drinking that water... Is that in Jesus, you have everlasting life as he gives you that water to drink. Here's the question. Are you sure that you have everlasting life? Have you came to the fountain to drink? There's a lot of people with fear right now. Fear not uh, about a virus, but the the fear is not the virus. They're they're more fearful of dying. (laughs) And the reason why they're fearful of dying is because they don't know what's going to happen after they die. You see, we don't have to live in fear. We live with wisdom, yes, but we're not living in fear. Because we know that if we drink from the fountain, we have everlasting life. And in verse 15, look what it says. It says, the woman said, Sir, if I don't have to ever come again and I'm never going to be thirsty, Lord, give me that water that I may not thirst or come here to dry ever again. She said, this is a good deal. <laughs> You mean that I'm not gonna ever have to come in the hottest time of the day to come and drink and fill these jars with water and drink and, and now go back to my house and, and then come and empty them and, and refill them again. Well he's saying if this is easy, if this is the, the convenient route, then, then Jesus gives me that water because I don't I don't want to come back again. But Jesus said, Okay, you understand that this is a water that satisfied you. Now let's go and talk about your heart. Jesus quickly shifts the conversation to the issue of her heart. Because if you want this water, if you're going to satisfy this water, Jesus must deal with your heart. This is exactly why Jesus crosses the border of, of, of race, of culture, and He goes beyond every border to deal with the Samaritan's woman's heart. Notice what He does. And look what He says here in verse, in this very verse, verse 16. Jesus said, Okay, go call your husband and come. And the woman said, Answer, I have no... Husband, Jesus said, You have well said, I have no husband, for you have five husbands. Now notice that this woman, look at the story about this woman, I have five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. You're living with someone that's not even your husband. You're living in sin. In fact, you saying, you went through five different now marriages and the one that you live with now, he's not even your husband. In that, you truly spoke. Now, think about how this woman feels now. She's looking to escape the guilt and the condemnation and the shame because everybody knows this. And she says, I'm not going to go because nobody's going to want to talk to me. They know that I went from one marriage to another. And they know that I'm living in sin because the man that I'm living with right now, he's not even my husband. And she goes at 12 now at noon at the hottest part of the day. And there, a Jewish man is waiting for her. And all of a sudden, he knows everything about her. And he says, hey, you've gone through five different relationships. You know what He does? He exposes the sin in her life. He says, you know what, I know you're living in sin. But He doesn't do this to condemn her. Now I want you to know this, there are often times where we think that Jesus is now pricking at our hearts to condemn us. And we say, well, that's not the loving Jesus. He's, he's doing this to condemn me. No, He's not doing this to condemn her. In fact, He's doing this to show her her personal need for Him. He's doing this to reveal to her her spiritual condition. He's doing this to show her, you're empty, this here dear Samaritan woman, and you're in need of the spiritual water that I've been talking about. You see, if you want this water, Jesus is going to deal with our hearts. Because this woman was trying to fill her emptiness, that spiritual thirst, she was trying to fill it with marriages, with love, with romance, with maybe husbands, marriages. There are often times we try to fill it with a marriage, with maybe a relationship, with attention. And something that is so temporal, that doesn't give you a full satisfaction, but it left her emptier every single time. It could not meet that spiritual need. Therefore, she went from one man to another. And there's often times that people do that. Well, this person didn't make me happy. Well, I'm gonna go to this other person. And you find out quickly that, you know what? This person doesn't make me or satisfy me in full as I thought it would. This is not it. Well, maybe if I get the, the, the car, the house, the vacation, you start to think that maybe the success, the ambition, and once you reach that point, you're going to be fully satisfied and everything leaves you empty. You see, why is it that people think that they're happy in relationships? Why is it that people think that they're happy in accomplishments? Why is it that we think that we're happy in successes, but we're never satisfied? You see, you think you're happy, but inside you're not satisfied. In fact, these worldly things sometimes that that oftentimes can be good things, they never truly satisfy, because the world's happiness doesn't satisfy in full. In fact, it will never leave you fulfilled. It will always leave you empty, wanting more, you're never going to be complete, you're going to be thirsty for more, you're going to be saying, "All right, what's next then? Because I feel empty. What's the next big thing? But here, Jesus is going to meet this emotional need with a spiritual source, which is Himself. You see that Jesus meets the emotional needs, He meets the spiritual needs, and He meets the physical needs. Very same place, at the fountain, not at the well. At the fountain, which is Himself. There are often times that we say, well, I'm gonna go to the well of the world and I'm gonna see what I can pull out of there. I can pull money, I can pull success. I can drag out with my own hard work. I can drag out accomplishments. That's going to make me happy. But you find out, guess what? I I was filled, but I'm thirsty again. Let's see what else I can pull out of there. And you become thirsty, and thirsty, and thirsty, and thirsty. And Jesus said, hey, I want to come and I want to show you. If you come to me, that spiritual longing in your heart and soul that you have been craving for, only I can fill. Only Jesus can fill. Let's go to verse 19 this woman said to him sir i perceive that you are a prophet now she said okay you must be a prophet that you have this divine knowledge jesus you must know something here that you have this divine knowledge that you know my past jesus wants to talk about your past right now there are sometimes we want to say lord i'm gonna leave my past behind and i'm gonna carry that burden i'm gonna carry that pain i'm gonna carry those scars within me and it's gonna make me who i am today And my neighbor recently tell me, you know what Art, I don't want a new heart. I want to learn from my mistakes. (laughs) And I said, you know what, that's the, and I accept the consequences for my sins. I don't need forgiveness. Let me tell you something, if you don't accept the forgiveness of God, you're going to live your entire life empty. You need Him to deal with your past. The Bible says anyone who is in Christ, He's a new creation. Old things, the past has now gone away, everything has become new. And He's going to deal with that in our life. Notice that here in verse 19, I, I, I think that you're a prophet now. And He says now in verse 20, Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is a place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said, Believe me, thou hour is coming when you will neither worship on this mountain, nor in Jerusalem you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, verse 22. And we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Now, she says, hey, Jesus, since you're a prophet, tell me where I should worship at that. Tell me how I may make maybe an atonement for my sins and I can sacrifice for my sins. Where is the right place? How can I do this? Where can I do this? Where is the right place? And Jesus quickly moves now. The conversation from now a location, not a location, but to a person, and that's himself. Where can I worship? Is, is true worship in Jerusalem? Is true worship here in Samaria on this mountain? Or is it in the temple in Jerusalem? Since you're a prophet, you should know how I can be right with God. Where is the place that I can be right with God? But Jesus said, you know, you don't know where you're worshiping. You don't know what it's like to worship, He tells her. You know, I want you to know, this Samaritan woman tells her, salvation is coming from the Jewish people and it's going to be the Messiah. It has been prophesied. It's going to come from the Jewish nation. And he tells her this in verse, 20, verse 23. But the hour is coming and now is. Notice the hour is now. It's not tomorrow. I love this because sometimes we think, well, I'm going to worship God and I'm going to worship Him His way. I'll worship Him later when I get ready. I'll worship Him on my own time, on my own schedule or I'll have a relationship with God my own way. Have you ever heard someone tell you that? Maybe you think of yourself, well listen, I don't need the whole institution of the church. That's for other people. I can have a relation with God my own way. I don't really need to be in the God's word. I, I pray at night, right? And sometimes we think that that's having a relationship with God. But Jesus is saying, hey, it's not about the mountain. It's not about the temple. It's about your heart. How's your heart today? Because now is a time where true worshippers or true followers, here he's saying, are going to worship God in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking those who worship Him that way. You see, it's not about a location, it's about your heart, he's saying. Because you can be going through the motions. You can be going through one location. You can be going to another. You can be just saying, well, you know what? I, I, uh, I think that I'm right with God and I'm striving in my own strength. But listen, none of that's working. Because it's not about what you're doing it's not about the works it's about your heart now and he's going to tell her it's not about where it's about how and it's about if you're worshiping through Jesus now and therefore in verse 23 he tells them when true worshipers will worship the Father through the Son Jesus you can't have a relationship with God without Jesus and that's what he's telling her you need to go through Jesus because Jesus deals with the heart in spirit and in truth is the definition of true worship. And God is seeking those that worship Him that way. Now notice here that worship begins in the heart. What does worship begin in the heart? Why is He saying spirit and truth? Worship begins in the heart because it begins with a repentance. Worship begins in the heart because it, 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 it begins with you saying, I know that I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. And here after talking to her about the living water, he's saying, I want you to realize that you need now repentance. You need to know that you need Jesus. Until we realize that we are sinners and that in our own goodness, we cannot have a right relationship with God without Jesus Christ, then we are going to always be walking away from Him. And he, what he's saying is here, your purpose is not going to be found in your life. Your purpose is not going to be found in a place Your purpose is not going to be found in a program. Your your purpose is going to be found in a person. And that person's name is Jesus. Now, do you notice how he's now breaking this down for her? In verse 24, he says, God is spirit. And those who worship him must, circle that word, must. It's mandatory. It's absolutely necessary. If you're going to follow God this way, if you're going to follow God the right way, that you worship him in spirit, and in truth. Why in spirit first? Because worship and following God, a relation with God is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. In spirit means through Christ. In spirit means as a matter of the heart. But you also ought to worship Him in truth. What is truth? Truth is the opposite of what is false. But truth here, what he's speaking about is you ought to worship God in everything that is in harmony now with the nature and the will of God in obedience now, in holiness. You see, if you're going to follow the Lord, it has to be in holiness and in obedience. And here he's saying, you know what? He's talking to this Samaritan woman. We're breaking all the rules here that man has set up. Every standard that you think that you need to keep so that you can be right with God, we're putting that aside. Everything that you thought the church was or what you thought that you needed to be like so that you can be right with God, we're putting that to the side. We're going to talk about your past and how God can deal with your heart right now. And it's only through Jesus Christ as you drink of this fountain now that never leaves you empty. You see, a relationship with God is not limited to time or to space now or to anything. You can have fellowship with God anywhere. And here in verse 25 and 26, it says, The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming. Now pay attention to that. I know the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ. I know the Messiah. You know what the Messiah was? They were all waiting for the Messiah. The Messiah was the Savior that would save them from their sins, that would save them from the the rulership of the Roman Empire. He would deliver them. He would redeem them. The Savior. I know the Messiah. He is coming. The Savior. The Anointed One. I know He's coming. I want you to know He's coming. The Messiah is coming. She she has a spiritual now. Awakening and a revelation. It says, And when He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus. When the Messiah comes, He's going to explain. She wants an explanation now. I feel a little cynical here. Well, I know when the Messiah comes, He's going to tell me. And I want to see him. And I, and I want him to be revealed. I want him to prove in, in, my, in my life that he is the one. But he's saying, I know when he comes, he's going to reveal. And look what Jesus says in verse 26. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. She wanted an explanation. All right? If I'm going to have to be right with God, if it's this whole spirit and truth, this whole obedience and truth, if it's all about this, then... When is the Savior coming? When is the Messiah coming? But here he's saying, I, the one who is speaking to you, Jesus, the one who is speaking, is who you need. I am He. I'm your Savior. Now you notice that Jesus went to this woman exactly at the time that this woman needed him. Just like Jesus is coming to you exactly the time that you need him. And Jesus met her at the well. I'm going to leave you with three last final points before we end today. Number one is this. Every generation needs a regeneration. Every generation needs a regeneration. If you don't believe me that every generation needs a regeneration, then just look at the, turn on the news. Every generation needs a regeneration. No matter how old you are, no matter what your background is, God needs to deal with your heart. Every generation needs Jesus. You might think that you don't need Jesus. You might not have all the answers. But let me tell you something. Sometimes God doesn't give you all the answers. He just tells you, I want you to trust me. And you're saying, well, if I got all the answers, then I'll go to Jesus. If I saw all these things work out, then I'll go to Jesus. If, if I got all the explanations, then I'll go to Jesus. Every generation needs a regeneration. Everyone needs Jesus. Number two, you can't say you have a right relationship with God until you have accepted His forgiveness. You cannot say you have a right relationship with god until you have accepted his forgiveness in your life you know what his forgiveness does it covers your heart with his blood it gives you new life it takes that burden that you're carrying from and it says here i want to give you the fountain of water of life that you would drink and be satisfied and number three are you thirsty today are you thirsty for the water that only jesus can give Are you empty? Are you frustrated? Do you want to be satisfied by Him today? What are you satisfied? You see, the problem is that we don't get filled because we're going to the wrong places. There are oftentimes we go to all the wrong places and we expect to be filled. You expect to be filled in a relationship or in a marriage, in success, in accomplishments. And momentarily, that gives you a a, a feeling of satisfaction, but then it doesn't leave you fulfilled. It leaves you empty. Because that spiritual longing in the human heart and soul, the only place where you can find that is in Jesus. And it's so interesting here because there are often times we go to the well of the world instead of the fountain of God that gives us living water. Notice how this woman was saved now and it says later on in this chapter that she went into the city and she said, hey, I'm going to tell... Everyone here about a man that told me everything about my life now. And a lot of people in Samaria were saved and came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. She started at the well and she ended at the fountain. (laughs) She started at the well and she ended at the fountain. What does the fountain do for you? The well wants you to continue to work. The well wants you to continue to strive in your own strength. The well wants you to even... it'll. I want you to try to imitate the things that maybe you can draw from there to make you happy or, or maybe even give an appearance as if everything's okay. Or try to hide the shame, the guilt as this woman did. But the fountain says, you know what, Jesus says, I'm gonna deal with this living water, with that thirst that you've been looking for and that you haven't been able to find and it's only in Jesus Christ. Because I know that the things of this world have left you empty. I know that the things of this world have let you down. I've let you now disillusioned. But here this fountain wants to fill you now. And now fill those that are thirsty for eternal life. Maybe there you are here today and you've heard the message that Jesus wants to fill your thirst. That he's coming again. But if he's coming again, you have to ask yourself the question, am I ready for Jesus? He's coming again. <laughs> are you ready for Christ. Have you made your relationship with God right? It's only right through one place, through Jesus Christ. Now is the time for those that are going to follow God to worship Him in spirit and truth. That means with your heart, with your loyalty, with your obedience in God's will, not your own will. If that's you, you're saying, I want a drink of that living water. I want you to just raise your hand right now as we pray. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, I see your hand. I see your hand. you're here you want a drink of that living water you're saying I need more of Jesus or maybe you're like that woman that says you know what Lord I've been trying so hard I've been trying so hard to get filled from here or from there but I want to be filled and not be empty again I want you to deal with my past my present I give you my future because nothing is going to satisfy me more than you. If that's you. If you raise your hand or even if you didn't raise your hand right now, I'm going to ask you to stand on your feet. Just be courageous and come to the front because I want to pray. I saw your hand. Just come up to the front because I want to pray. We're going to clap. Christians, the church, we are going, going to encourage you. Amen. Come on. Come on forward. God wants to meet your need right now. Just come. I want to pray with you right here. sing this song and as we sing this song if you're out there and you say I want to come to the fountain I want to get filled by Jesus if you're saying I want to be filled by Jesus Christ right now because I know that other things in life are not going to satisfy me the way Jesus is going to satisfy me as we sing this song just stand on your feet and come forward the church is praying amen amen come forward God wants to meet the spiritual need that you have been so longing for that you have been hurting for he sees you Jesus said, he went and he waited at that well. He says, he told the woman, I see you. I'm going to deal with your heart because you need a regeneration. I know you're hurting. I know you're afraid. I know you're scared. I know you're anxious. And I'm going to deal with your heart right now. This is what I'm about to do. I don't want you to hold back. I don't want your pride to hold back. He went and he talked about her pride. He talked about her past. He talked about her sin because he wanted to give her a new beginning. If you're here right now and you want the Lord to do something new in your life, you want Him to feel you. As we sing this song, just come forward. Come forward.